Welcome back to another episode of the Outsider Sports Baseball Podcast. Corey Jason joined alongside with Ben Mandel, John Pauline, and Dylan Mel. Guys, we're now getting into the second half of the season. We just had the first weekend of games into the second half. And uh, just a quick little recap from All-Star break. Vlad Jr., he beat Randy Rosarena in the home run derby. I had money on Randy Rosarena in that one, so that was a tough one. The NL beat the AL 3-2. MVP was Elias Diaz of the Rockies. And uh, speaking of derbies and the All-Star weekend, Next year, they're kind of planned on ha- planning on having a Legends Derby. So, guys like Ken Griffey Jr., Albert Pujols, David Ortiz, and Jim Tomei have all expressed interest in it. But are there any other, you know, kind of MLB legends that you guys want to see in it? And be mindful that they're not going to have a 70-year-old out there. No Willie McCovey or anybody. No Pete Rose. But is there anybody who you think could really compete especially with some of these younger, more recently retired guys. You know, Corey, it's funny because I hear the names you're listing off and I'm like, huh, those guys all have something in common. And the guy who I'm going to name off also has something, the same thing in common. We're just picking like 2004 backyard baseball players now, aren't we? I'm going with Mike Piazza. Give me the best hitting catcher of all time. My New York Met in the Hall of Fame as a New York Met. The guy can hit bombs. I think it would just be a ton of fun to see Mike Piazza back out there mashing along with some of these greats. Yeah, Ben. uh, I also want to add that something else that Piazza has in common with a couple of the guys that I named are uh, PED allegations. So I just wanted to throw that out there and get you riled up a little bit. Well, speaking of 2004 great players with PED allegations, I'll go Alex Rodriguez to the list, and I specifically would like to see him matched up with David Ortiz in the first round. You got the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry. They're on Fox together. I just think that would be an absolute ball. I'm going to follow the uh, trend here, and I'm going to say Barry Bonds. I I think, you know, he's a little up there in age, but I think it would be fun to see him hit some bombs again. Now, I'm going to break the the trend of backyard baseball and PEDs. I got two guys in mind. One, he liked a different type of drug, and I don't want to make light of it, but he did struggle with it for a long time, and I believe, as of most recently, he is clean, and that's Josh Hamilton. He put on the most majestic, amazing home run derby back in 2008 in Yankee Stadium, and... I think he would be a really fun player to watch. And another guy I would love to see, how about Adam Dunn? That guy just mashed when he played. All he did, true three-outcome player. Home run, home run, home run. He is somebody I think would be a really fun addition, especially just a big lefty bat. Hey, you want to bring back some Derby legends? Let's not forget about Prince Fielder as well. But I actually want to throw out a name because I think it would be absolutely hilarious. He's a little bit older than everybody who would be in this field of legends that we've talked about. But, I mean, hey, he's still shredded. He's still doing the roids. Jose Canseco, give it to me. I think it would just be so funny to see him out there as well. While we have just created the best uh, old guys home run derby, I do want to take a 
quick second and just say, Corey, you mentioned Josh Hamilton's great home run derby uh, performance and what was so great about it. The MLB needs to go back to the 10 outs home run derby. Enough with this timing stuff. Not enough Preach. time to appreciate Preach. the home runs. Definitely, man. Don't make these guys rush. Don't make them rush. I mean, you see these the home run derby tapers off after the first round every time because these guys are gassing themselves. Let them relax. Let them just go up there and mash. No one's there to be in and out in two hours. You want to see some bombs. The rounds, the the days of the 30, 40 home run rounds, they just don't exist because you don't have the time. The home run derby used to just, it took forever. And I understand why they went to the time limit, but Dylan, you are preaching to the choir. Just go less outs then. Move it from 10 to 7 or something. You guys know how I feel about clocks in baseball. A timeless sport should not have a time limit. And that goes for the home run derby. I think if you go back to the old segment, maybe use the pitch clock where you still get 10 outs, but you have the 30 seconds or whatever it is between pitches. That's fine. Kind of speed it up that way. I also like the idea of you don't have to wait until the ball lands. You can just smash away. But – They'll just never go back to it because it's such a big, you know, it's a crowd pleaser now with the younger crowd, all the uh, the high home run totals because we never had home run totals that high. Josh Hamilton's, like, big round in 2008, he hit, like, 28 home runs. Think about how many guys hit more than 28 this past home run derby. So they'll never go back to it, but it takes away the majestic aspect of it. Now, another guy, I another two guys I think we should add to this hypothetical home run derby. How about Gary Sheffield? There's a video going around Twitter earlier last week of him mashing out of Florida, like backyard baseball field almost. He's somebody, the most emulated swing I've ever seen. He would be fun. Plus, get the international guys in there. How about Ichiro? Ichiro, everybody knew that if he wanted, he could hit 50 home runs in a, in a season. He just didn't want to because he loved getting on base and getting hits. But Ichiro had mad in power. So he'd be another fun guy to get in there. But let's stop daydreaming a little bit about home run derbies and start daydreaming about some trade possibilities. Trade deadline's coming up August 1st at 4, and a lot of teams aren't really sure if they're going to be buyers or if they're going to be sellers. And if they're either, if they're either, who are they going to get? So I got a bunch of names for you guys. I'll go one by one, and let's kind of hash it out. Who do we think this player is a best fit for? And let's start it off with White Sox starting pitcher Lucas Giolito. So for me, I've been harping that the Phillies need to get better on the mound, and I know. You know, I've mentioned Shane Bieber to the Phillies before. He's hurt. He's going to be out for a little bit, shut down for two weeks, and then he's going to build back up. So he is not going to be throwing. He's not going to be pitching come the deadline. I'm not sure that's what the Phillies are looking for, especially because they're not in a spot where they can sit back and kind of give some games. The Phillies are going to go out. They're going to try and get a big arm, and I think Lucas Giolito is the perfect rental for them, someone that they even could potentially sign long-term if he likes it there, and the Bryce Harper effect is able to bring him back, just like it brought Trey Turner into town as well. 
Yeah, Ben, I couldn't agree with you more. When uh, Corey gave us these topics for today, Giolito to the Phillies was the first one I thought of, and it was for your exact reasoning. We had mentioned Bieber to the Phillies before on this show, and you know, you said he got hurt. The Phillies could really use a solid fifth arm. Giolito's a guy with power in his throw. I think he'd be a smooth fit there, and you can really make the Phillies back to a World Series contender. Some other teams that I think would be interested in Giolito would be the Rangers, Astros, and Orioles. Now let's go another starting pitcher, Southpaw Jordan Montgomery of the Cardinals. What do you guys think of the uh, the rental? You only get him for a couple months. So for Montgomery's sake, I think this is someone who I was shocked to see the Yankees let go last year. I think it was a good pickup for the Cardinals. Look, if you're looking for a team that maybe wants to get another arm to for this push but doesn't want to completely sell the future, I'm going Cincinnati. And you don't see interdivision trades often, but I think, you know, the Cardinals and the Reds, there's hate there, but not as much as some of the other rivalries like the Cardinals and Cubs. But, you know, I think Montgomery to the Reds makes a lot of sense. It's not going to cost him too much. He's going to be able to eat some innings, and that's what they're going to need for this stretch run in such a weak division where they don't have a lot of competition outside of the Brewers. Yeah, personally, I would rather see Jordan Montgomery go to the Baltimore Orioles back to the AL East. I think that that's a really solid fit for him, a veteran pitcher for the roster. If he wants to stay there long term, they can definitely afford him. But if he doesn't, it's fine to just take this young core to the next level and get them some postseason baseball experience. Next up on the list, Washington third baseman Heimer Candelario. For Candelario, I think this is an interesting situation. I think he's going to play like what we saw uh, Brandon Drury did last year when he ended up going over to San Diego. I think that he can be a good fit for a team like Houston. I think he can come off the bench. He could provide some pop off the bench. He could slot in and play if they need him to. I I just don't think it's going to cost them that much. I think the Nationals are just looking to stockpile assets at this point. And if they can get anything for Candelario uh, coming into the season, I'm sure they weren't expecting this from him. You know, I think Houston would be the right team to buy. Some teams I like are Philly, Milwaukee, and Minnesota for Candelario. Let's go to another big name. This guy's not a rental. You'll get him for another four years. Cardinal third baseman, Nolan Arenado. I'll be honest with you, Corey. I don't think that there's a team knocking on the door for Nolan Arenado right now. I think that's a huge contract. And I think a lot of teams are starting to realize it's smarter to just go for a young guy and hope he breaks out than to absorb such a large contract. I mean, clearly, even when the guy is playing at his peak, it's not enough to get a team over the hump. So is it really worth it to pay him that much? Or you can get a little bit less in the production side of things. Not, not just on one side, it's on both sides. Arenado plays elite defense, but you know, I just don't see a team willing to give up the assets as well as take on the contract for him. 
Yeah, I think that there's a couple teams that maybe would be desperate enough if they decided that they really wanted to go all in this season. Um, you know, me and Corey's Yankees come to mind. Josh Donaldson has been their starting first baseman and he bats about 174. So obviously they could use help in that area. But like Ben said, it's a really tough contract to move and it'll depend on what the asking price is. Yeah, he's an interesting case. I don't know if he gets moved, but if he does, I don't think it would be as a trade deadline piece. I think it would be if the Cardinals took a deep look at their organization and decided to move him in the offseason because why panic now when you have four more years of control with him as a, as a possible Hall of Famer at that. Next up, though, Cubs outfielder Cody Bellinger. Yeah, so I mean, I preached this one on the last episode where we had our debate, but this has New York Yankees written all over it to me. Um, obviously, bats from the right side of the plate, great for New York. Uh, they're having some serious outfield struggles. It's a rental, so, you know, that's good for the Yankees. They can assess this offseason, maybe bring Bellinger back or part ways, but a team that is right there on the wild card cusp and could use some batting, you know, depending on what the price is, I think Bellinger could be a good ad for them. I couldn't agree with you more, Dylan. I think the Yankees are the clear and obvious choice. I know Corey and Walsh are very, very adamant to not spend, but I think it's also important to realize that you're not mortgaging the future for Cody Bellinger. You're getting a rental. See if, hey, maybe we plug a competent outfielder into the mix. We can get back into the wild card. We've we've talked about this. This is not a team in the New York Yankees that has fallen out of contention. They may be last in the division, but they are still within striking range of the wild card. They get hot. They get the right piece in a guy like Cody Bellinger. You know, who knows? Maybe a left-handed bat in the lineup, which for some reason Brian Cashman keeps letting walk away, can help. Yeah, and another thing about Bellinger, we know that he could certainly have pop at Yankee Stadium, but batting 301 this season – the Yankees' highest batting average player right now is Glaber Torres at 261. So talk about some much-needed hitting in the lineup. Next up on the list, and this is another guy, I don't know if he actually gets traded. It would be a very big blockbuster move. But that's Cleveland starting pitcher Shane Bieber. So, and I was just talking about this, and I had him pegged for Philly a while ago now obviously that's not going to be the case there is one team that i think may want to stash starting pitcher and there's one team that i think might be able to pry him away and his work this team has worked their magic on pitchers in years past it's the houston astros I think with the injury to Shane Bieber, the price is going to drop. I think Cleveland, they might be panicking a little bit, especially since the numbers for Shane Bieber this year, the swing and miss rate is not there. The strikeouts aren't there. You know, the production overall, it just hasn't been there. So, you know, who knows? Maybe Houston is able to dangle an offer in front of Cleveland that they can't refuse, and they're able to get something done. But I do believe, though, that Cleveland in general is not going to move off of Bieber, especially now that all of a sudden this Cleveland team is right back in the division race because Minnesota doesn't know how to get their stuff together. Yeah, like Ben, I'd be shocked if we see a Shane Bieber move. But one that I could see is actually to the Astros' biggest competition in their division, 
the Texas Rangers. This is a team that lost Jacob DeGrom. They're looking for, you know, ace level starting pitching and Shane Bieber can give you that. Can he give you that in October? We'll see. It's, you know, not looked great previously, but this is a team that sees that their opportunity to take this division and make a playoff run is now you lose DeGrom and this could be something to supplement it. You don't need him right away, but come postseason time, he's a guy they could use. I really like Bieber going to the NL West. Whether it's the Dodgers, Giants, or Diamondbacks, I think that's just a really good fit for him because those are three teams that really do have a chance to to make a deep run. And I know the Giants might be a hot take, but they are playing better. The Diamondbacks are slip, just slipped to third place, so they need to make a move to kind of bounce back. So I think Bieber to Arizona could be a good move. Next up... Detroit starting pitcher Eduardo Rodriguez. He did just sign a five-year, $77 million deal this offseason, but he does have an opt-out after this season, and with the way he's pitching, I think he might exercise it because the market might be a little better for starting pitchers. Yeah, uh, the belief is that Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be a free agent after this season, and that is why he is on the market. And I think that he can be a good steal for a team like Toronto. Now, the price may be a little bit higher because there's a chance that he doesn't opt out, but I think Eduardo Rodriguez has probably let the Tigers know if he keeps this up, he is not going to stay in this contract. He's going to opt out. I think Toronto, they could use another pitcher. I think that they're still in the mix. They still want to try for this division, and I think if they're able to get another big-time starter, I, I yeah, Erod's not a big-time starter, but the way he's pitched this year, he has been, and that kind of guy in the mix for Toronto, especially if Alec Manoa is, you know, just gone, hey, he might be someone who could slot in and do well, especially getting another lefty in that rotation is not going to hurt either. Another guy traded last year at the deadline, he could get moved again, talking Padres reliever Josh Hader. Where do you guys think he could go if the Padres are even going to sell? So, look, I think the Padres aren't going to sell. I think they've got too much invested. I think their general manager understands at this point that they need to win and win soon in order for him to keep his job. The team that I think might dangle and try to get it is a team that I think could use some good help at the back end of the bullpen and specifically left-handed help. And that's the Miami Marlins. I think that overall the team has hit well, they've pitched well, but a guy like Hader that shows, Hey, we're ready now finally to get over the hump. And that's, what they didn't do in 2020 when they had that playoff run. And that's because it was a 60 game season. You're not going to mortgage things just because of a 60 game, two month sample size. But when you, you know, this team is clearly poised to make the jump. They've started spending money. I think it's time to go get a guy like hater now. Yeah. I don't think that the Padres are going to be in the business of selling. And I know that they're in a not great spot, eight games back of a wild card. But when you look at their run differential and some advanced metrics, they're actually not really that far off from some of the better teams. They have a plus 36 run differential, which is better than every team above them for the wild card, aside from the San Francisco Giants. The Padres have just kind of gotten a bad break of things, and I don't see them blowing up a team that they spent so much time putting together. Next up on the list, let's go to Boston for starting pitcher James Paxton. Look, I have a very very bad feeling 
that the Boston Red Sox are going to send James Paxton to Atlanta and he is going to shine. I mean, he, this is a rotation that can use some back end help. You've got Kyle Wright and freed on the injured list right now. They're trotting out Charlie Morton, Spencer Strider, Bryce elder, Soroka and Kobe Allard. Kobe Allard is not very good. He's been so, so Soroka. What, what do you make out of him? He really hasn't been the same still since he had his injury. His stats this year are not good. He is a 540 ERA in 23 innings, 19 strikeouts. He was just recently called back up to the club. But look, I think a guy like uh, James Paxton, he's not going to cost too much. He fits into the back end of the rotation. They feel like they have a good idea of who the top end is. And, you know, it's an American League club. I think that the Braves are really good at prying guys like this and getting the most out of them. Yeah, I think that Paxton does end up in the NL, but I think he ends up going to the San Francisco Giants. I think this is the perfect buy low candidate for them. I don't think you'll have to pay a huge price, but I think going into the playoffs, he could really round out a good rotation for them. Let's go back to San Diego now for the next one. Let's go Padre superstar, Watt Soto. Does he get moved? And if he if he does, where do you think he could go? Yeah, so like I mentioned before, I don't see him getting moved. Uh, I mean, even less so than Hayter. I mean, the Padres traded all of those pieces for him, and he's still a young, very promising player. But, you know, fantasy uh, booking in me or fantasy predicting dreamland – I'd like to see him go to the Yankees. I mean, again, I mentioned it with Bellinger. <laughs> we need guys that bat from the right side of the plate, and so we need outfielders. Juan Soto is definitely better than Cody Bellinger, and, you know, obviously it depends on the price. So Soto isn't going anywhere. They spent way too much to get him, and it's only been a year. It's too much of an investment to end the experiment after a year. When you made the trade, the trade was for three years of Soto or two and a half years of Soto, whatever the number is, not one year and get rid of them and try to recoup some of the assets. You've already sunk more assets into this team. They can't be selling things off, especially a guy like Soto, who isn't a free agent after this year. This wasn't supposed to be the end. You have to stick to your timeline. Like It's not like the sky is actually falling. You know, one bad year, and I'm going to say this for a few teams, you cannot let one bad year derail your entire plan and franchise. You have to be able to stick to it and realize things don't always go as planned. But if you stick to the plan, it it should still work next year as long as you're continuing to take the right steps forward. And I think a step like Tatis has been a good step forward. You get a year and a half of control. The Padres think that they could compete next year. I don't think that they they move on from them. It just, it just doesn't make sense. Like you guys are saying they traded all those prospects for him. Why would you move them at this point? But that is a rumor out there, so we got to discuss it a little bit. Next guy up, how about Cardinals first baseman Paul Goldschmidt? I think before, you know, you heard of Harper going the first base, playing first base for the Phillies, I think a lot of people, I think even we talked about it on here about him, about the Phillies maybe targeting him. But I think now that you have Harper going the first base, I don't think the Phillies are going to be in contention for him, but I think you might see maybe the Twins looking to upgrade at at first base there, or possibly the Angels. I think. I think maybe 
the Angels might end up being uh, buyers and maybe trying to go after uh, you know a wild card spot. Yeah, personally, I'm not ready to rule out the Phillies yet. I know that the reports of Bryce Harper playing first base are out there, but if a talent like Paul Goldschmidt's available and you're the Phillies, you have to at least kick the tires on that. And if there's something that can be done, you can keep Harper at DH. And if Harper's willing to play first, you can DH Goldschmidt certain days. And there's just a lot of flexibility there to have them. You know, I'm not going to not get Paul Goldschmidt to keep a guy like Alec Bomer and Mundo Sosa in the lineup when I can go get an MVP caliber type player. I think it honestly depends on how much they're going to have to give up to get him. Cause I think if anything, the Phillies are probably more so looking for a starting pitcher now than anything. Cause like right now, I think they have the bats and stuff, but I think they're really, they need that. Uh, they need that, you know, fifth starting pitcher more than I think they need a first baseman. Next up on the list, Rockies, First base, DH, CJ Crone. Yeah, I'll keep this one short and sweet. I think that Baltimore could use a big power bat. Just throw another one in the mix. Why not, right? I think Baltimore can also use a pitcher, and I'm sure we'll get there. But I think another bat as well. This is a team that I think can compete for a World Series this year. I don't necessarily think they will win the division, but I think they can get hot come October, especially if you add another bat to the mix, add another good starting pitcher to the mix. This team should be cruising. Yeah, I'm going to go and say the Miami Marlins. I know that they've got some decent options at first base right now, but to com- compared to the other playoff teams, their run score just isn't up to par. You add an MVP caliber player like Goldschmidt to that, it could really help take this Marlins team over the next step and make them potential World Series contenders. Yeah, that's not a bad one, Dylan, especially because, yeah, the Marlins can hit, but the power is where they lack, in my opinion. C.J. Crone can definitely make that a much deeper lineup. Milwaukee, Cleveland, and uh, San Fran or some other places I see Crone having a possibility to go really lengthen their lineups there. Next up, Padres starting pitcher Blake Snell. Now, I said we were going to get there for a starting pitcher for Baltimore. And I think that Baltimore, if San Diego sells, I'm not sold on the fact that they are going to sell because I don't think that they're ready to break this team up yet. But I think Baltimore would be a very, very good fit. Get a left-handed pitcher into that rotation. Get someone who has the experience. You add Blake Snell to the rotation instantly. Baltimore now has a true bona fide number one that goes in i'm not saying blake snell is going to go out there and be the better pitcher on the mound but at least you have someone that can go into a playoff series and match up against someone else's number one pitcher and i think that's exactly what baltimore would get in a guy in blake snell yeah for the same logic that ben used i think toronto could be a good spot for him you know we know that they had high expectations out of alec manoa that did not pan out this team wants to get a you know true number one or two pitcher on their roster you can go get blake snell he has been that this year if the padres are selling which again we don't think that they are toronto should be asking about blake snell i'm gonna keep it in the al east also How about a reunion with the Tampa Bay Rays? McClanahan's had some issues. The Rays pitchers do seem to keep going down like flies. Why not lengthen that rotation a little bit and bring back somebody who you're very familiar with? But let's get on to the last player and the one I think we've all been waiting for, and that's Shohei Otani from the Angels. He is a rental. He's going to command big money in free agency. I don't expect him to sign long-term, 
before hitting free agency, he's going to see what everybody has to offer. So whoever gets him, you may have a head start, but don't think that they're going to have him locked up before before free agency even begins. And uh, some questions to go along with this. Could a smaller market team really make a push for Otani? And the Angels are only six games back of a wild card with a lot of baseball to go. Should they actually sell? Or should they buy and kind of make one final push with Otani and Trout on the roster? Look, here's the thing to start. And the report that came out from Morosi said that the Angels basically said, look, if you're going to give us an offer that starts with multiple top 100 prospects, then we're going to have to listen. That's not them saying we're going to sell. That's basically them saying you're going to have to blow us off our feet. How many teams are actually going to be willing to blow the Angels off their feet for a player of Otani's caliber for two and a half months in potentially a playoff run? Not many. You have it's like the Cubs of 2016. You have to know you have a good shot to get there. Now, when I look at Otani, I, I just don't see a lot of small market because it goes against everything these small market teams do. They they don't really sell out like this. But just for fun, the teams that could go for Otani that can spend the price that are contenders, and by contenders, I mean still in the race, not outwardly labeled as contenders. We've got Baltimore, Tampa Bay, Cleveland, Texas, St. Louis, the Diamondbacks, and the Dodgers. In terms of small market teams, there's not many there. You have Baltimore, Tampa Bay, Cleveland. You have St. Louis, but are they really considered a small market team still with the way they've spent big money? Not on the level of those first three. I'm going to have fun with Cleveland here because I think you're probably going to need to send over two, most likely three top 100 level prospects. Well, Cleveland has a few that they can dangle out there in front of you. I I really do like Gavin Williams, but hey, send Gavin Williams over. Send Bo Naylor over. Send a Daniel Espino over. And then, you know, maybe you need to send over one more major league pitcher and a bat. Well, you could throw one of your major league guys out there to him as well. The pitcher I would send back, Tristan McKenzie. He's hurt. He's not going to help you this year. You have a guy, a guy like Otani comes into Cleveland. The energy's there. The spark is there in a very weak division that the Guardians only trail by two games. Why not? Maybe they maybe they have that magical 2016 run. They end this historic drought just off of a two-and-a-half-month rental of Shohei Otani. Yeah, they mortgage the future. Their rebuild, it's gone. But, hey, you win a World Series. Not saying they would definitely win a World Series going and getting Otani, but it certainly would help their chances, and it would certainly put them as the favorites once again in the American League Central. I mean, I personally think, like, almost every team in, in you know, baseball right now can be a contender to get Otani if they really want to for a rental but i think you i mean you only i would think you would only go after him if you're if you're certain that you have a shot at you know getting to the playoffs because you're gonna have to probably give up a lot a lot a lot a lot a lot of stuff to even get him off the angels but you know if i'm the angels i mean unless i get some offer you, i can't refuse i kind of just want to maybe 
ride out Otani the rest of the year because you're probably not going to be able to sign him back after this year. And just, you know, maybe Angels be a, you know, a buyer this team and maybe add, you know, keep Otani and try to get someone else to, you know, help the team and maybe make a run at the playoffs before, you know, they lose Otani after this year. Yeah, when it comes to talking about a potential Shohei Otani trade, the first question we have to ask is, are the Angels in the business of trying to get rid of him? And it really depends on what inclination he's given them on if he'll leave. Obviously, we know he'll test for agency and nothing is guaranteed. But if you think that it's more likely than not he's willing to resign, you can't trade this guy. I mean, we have been talking about him as the potential greatest baseball player of all time. If you can't build around that, I don't know what you can build around. Now, if we enter the world of potential trades, for me, it's got to be simple. It's got to be two things need to be there. One of two things, at least. You have to think you're a guaranteed World Series contender this year with Otani, or you have to think you are going to be able to re-sign him this offseason. So the teams that come to mind for me, the Baltimore Orioles, they'd be a guaranteed World Series contender. The New York Yankees, they'd feel like they have the money to re-sign him. Obviously, I don't think he goes anywhere else in the AL West. Obviously, the Rangers and Mariners would be interested, but I don't think that the Angels move him in division there. Then you could look at potentially the Phillies. They need pitching. You know, they could win a World Series. Do they have the money to re-sign him this offseason? We'll see. The Mets, we know that Steve Cohen's going to offer him a bag. And the Dodgers. Now, reports are coming out that the Dodgers aren't interested in trading for Shohei Otani at the deadline. You know, I get it, because if there's no guarantee he stays, you're going to have to give up, you know, your two best prospects, potentially. Um, You know, I know me and Corey have probably been thinking about it from the Yankees' perspective. Are we willing to give up Oswald Peraza and Jason Dominguez for two and a half months of Shohei Otani when the team's at 50 wins right now and fighting for a wild card spot with no guarantee that he stays? Those are some real concerns. Right now, my favorite to land him would be Baltimore because they have the young players and they are a World Series contender. And, you know, off the rental, they can win one this year. It feels very... NBA terms, Kawhi Leonard to the Raptors. There's not really a high shot that he stays in that market, but you could win one, and that's what we all play for. Yeah, and look, John, you're 100% right. Anybody who does not see themselves as a contender this year, they're out on Otani because you're not going to give up the assets when you can sign him this offseason. Now I'm seeing in these reports, teams that are going to give up this type of package need assurances that Otani's going to sign. He's not signing before the offseason. He simply isn't. The only team that I think has the money or is willing to give the amount of money that Otani would need to sign before the offseason is the New York Mets. And who knows if Otani even wants to go to the East Coast. That was the biggest thing with the Angels. Yeah, Billy Epler, great. But Otani wants to be on the West Coast. There's a good chance he stays out in the West Coast because of that. Now, is staying on the West Coast more important than winning? That's what it comes down to. Or is it money? That's what it comes down to. There's a lot of different variables. But if a team is going to go out there, try to get a rental, just because we don't see big-time rentals like this anymore because teams aren't willing to give up the prospects for a rental for two and a half months, you know, It's just fun to play around with. Yeah, Baltimore has the pieces. A team like Cleveland. Yeah, maybe they're not necessarily a World Series favorite, 
but they're definitely a contender when you get the caliber player Shohei Otani is. Otani, in my opinion, does want to stay in the West Coast, but that doesn't mean he can't compete. The Angels, they're not going to trade him to the Dodgers. That makes no sense. Crosstown rivals, why would you want to move Otani to your own backyard? But how about these two teams? The San Francisco Giants. They made big moves this past offseason. They they tried to sign Aaron Judge. You got that whole arson judge debacle stemming from it. And then as Carlos Correa was there for his press conference, the medicals fell through. Those were two massive deals. Why not make it right with their fan base, go and trade for Otani, and then lock him up long-term? They have the money. They have the desire. Plus, they're in the National League, so you keep Otani away from you know the angel side of uh, Los Angeles. Plus, you stick it to the Dodgers a little bit. Another team... They have one of the deepest farm systems in baseball. Otani resigning there, a little iffy. But as a rental, this puts them as a World Series contender, which is what we kind of put as the at least the low bar for making a trade. And that's the Diamondbacks. Pair Otani, Corbin Carroll, Ketel Marte, all these guys. You have a real legit shot at winning it all. Add Otani to that Zach Gallen-led pitching staff. You have a lot to work with. The Diamondbacks have the prospects to pull it off. Do they have the stomach? I don't know. But they're a smaller market team that I think could really make that move. I think that it would be really exciting to see the Diamondbacks. And I agree with you, Corey. You know, they, they're they another team that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, they're a small market team. You, you have a lot of guys who are having big seasons there. And I'm actually going to compare this to another sport and it's the new jersey devils of last year now the devils were rumored to get the big guy in timo meyer now timo meyer nowhere near otani's level in terms of how superstar they are but the a lot of people were like oh do you want to give up that many assets for a guy that you can go and sign well no when you're putting together a season like you are when guys are having the seasons they are christian walker's having a great season for them right now they're having great years out of Corbin Carroll, Zach Gallen, Cattell Marte. This would make the lineup that much deeper. It would make the rotation that much deeper. And all of a sudden, you know, a lot of people who have been saying, oh, the Dodgers eventually are just going to pull in front. Uh, not so much, maybe not so fast. And it might be the Diamondbacks' turn to take this division away from the Dodgers and finally end their streak of NL West titles. I actually really like uh, if Otani went to either one of those teams, the Giants or the Diamondbacks. Like I think if Otani goes to either one of those, I think that uh, that it's automatically going to make them a World Series contender. And out of both those teams, I think like even if the Giants don't trade for him at the trade deadline here, I think they, I think you know that's a team that's going to be in talks for Otani to sign during free agency. Because I honestly think like that's where he's going to end up next year in is uh, the San Francisco Giants. Yeah, so a question that I kind of want to pose to you guys is, do we think that Otani has any say in this? I mean, I get it that he doesn't have a no-trade clause, but if you're the Angels, a lot of prospects have been coming over from Japan recently, and if Otani has you know, said to you guys, I don't want to go to a small market team, I don't want to go to the East Coast, and you send him there, it's going to get around. Are the Angels just kind of going to strike themselves out of any 
overseas Japanese players in the future if they don't kind of work with Otani here with how great of a player he is? Or is everybody going to just kind of understand business is business and keep it moving? Yeah, Dylan, that's a fantastic question. And just to take it a step further, if the Angels think that they can re-sign Otani, doesn't it look better for them to kind of send him away, retool that farm system, let him win something somewhere else, and then bring him back? Do everything you can to stay on good terms with one of the greatest players in baseball history. It's as simple as that. He's got a lot of links to Japan, like you were saying. He's got a lot of links to the majors. He's one of the most beloved players in the whole sport. Why would you do anything to get on his bad side? Do everything you can to make him happy. Do right by him, but also be honest with him. If he wants to go to the Dodgers, tell him, you know, no. If he wants to go to the Mariners, tell him no. But be honest. Don't leave him in the dark. Work with him on a good destination that works for both of you. Treat it like uh, like in the NBA. When a superstar wants to get traded, the team doesn't just send them always to their number one choice, but they try to work with the player to send them to the best destination for both the team and the player. So that's kind of the direction the Angels need to take. Yeah, and look, I think that at the same time, yeah, you're not going to do anything to get on Otani's bad side. But if he has told you he's not re-signing, you owe it to your organization to get the best possible return. I'm sorry. You're giving up the best player in the world right now. I do not care where you want to go. You're going to get to go sign wherever the hell you want in two and a half months, tough it out. We gave you X amount of dollars to come over here and play. You signed with us originally. You know, the Angels, it's not like the Angels haven't been good to Otani. They haven't necessarily built a roster around him. But as an organization and what they've done to him, they've been very accommodating. I definitely don't think that the Angels owe Otani anything more than a roster at this point. You know, you trade him. Obviously, the team that's trading for him is going to be in contention. He's getting to sign wherever he wants in a couple of months. It doesn't matter where he goes. Yeah, Ben, I think the key to that is definitely in a couple of months, he gets to go wherever he wants. So even if you are the bad guy, it's only temporarily. It's not like you're moving a guy who's got five, six years left on his deal. Um, You know, it's a decision that I personally am happy that I'm not the one that has to make in the angels front office. And ultimately I don't see them moving Otani. If anything, I see them trying to make a push just because they're not so far out, but with the Mike Trout injury with his injury history, if Otani's told you flatly that he's leaving, you know, those are some wrinkles that could definitely be involved. And I also like uh, Corey's idea that he brought up of a little, yeah, Otani, you can go play somewhere else for two and a half months, help us replenish the farm system, and then we'll bring you right back here for a long-term deal. That would be just the ultimate masterclass by the Angels run office if they pulled that off. All right. Now let's quickly talk about our teams, right? Now, first off, I'm going to post to everybody, what are some really good targets you want the Phillies to go after? What players would make the Phillies true contenders? Yeah, so, I mean, I think we mentioned it at the top, Lucas Giolito. The Phillies should focus on pitching. They will focus on pitching, and I think Giolito's the guy. If there's potentially better options out there, you know, I've heard of the White Sox potentially moving off of Dylan Cease. That would be 
the number one target to go after um, if he's made available. And, you know, I, I think Paul Goldschmidt should still be a guy that they keep their eye on. Yes, pitching is priority one, but who's to say you can't do both? Personally, I would want the Phillies to go after pitching, but I mean, only if the price is right, because I really think the Phillies have been giving up maybe too many players in the past, and they kind of don't have the prospects coming up to, you know, refill and make the team good, and they end up stuck with just, a, you know, a lot of, you know, big contracts and old guys is what happened last time, and they were bad for, you know, a very long time. So if they can snag a good pitcher and not have to give up a lot for it, I'm all for it and stuff, but I just don't – I think they have to be careful with how much they give up here. Yeah, on John's budget, I think you got to target guys like James Paxton, C.J. Crone. you know, get a guy who you can plug in at first base until Harper's ready, you know, multiple guys who can go in and DH, uh, you know, you can move them around a little bit. But in terms of pitching, you got to go for a guy like Paxton then. Maybe you can try and pry Erod away from Detroit if uh, the price is right, if no one's biting on it. You know, maybe you can get Candelario away from Washington. You could pry him away, get him as a good bench piece. But, you know, if you're not willing to part ways with a guy like Painter, uh, you're probably not going to get a guy like Giolito in return. I understand, you know, it really depends on what the market is for starting pitching. I think it's going to be strong. It depends if the Mets are selling guys like Verlander and Scherzer because the Mets are probably going to eat a lot of their salaries. So, you know, if those guys are available, the pitching market may be pretty deep and the Phillies can go get a guy like Paxton pretty cheap and he slots in as their four. You know, there are some moves to be made at lower prices. I think the Phillies are going to get to work. And I'll be honest with you, no one does it better than Dabrowski. Now, moving on to the other two teams in this grouping, who on the Yankees and Mets should they either trade away or trade for? I'll leave the door open both ways. Yeah, so I think that the most realistic and perhaps best trade acquisition for the Yankees is Cody Bellinger. Again, I think it could work either way, depending on how your season works out. If you end up missing the playoffs due to, you know, some injury luck and the hitting not being there, fine. It was just a rental and you probably didn't pay that high of a price. But again, this is a guy who bats from the right side of the plate, has shown some pop in the passes, hitting 301 this year and can resolve that outfield issue. As well, we know that the Yankees will be active at the deadline, um, maybe bringing in some other hitting just to try and boost the lineup, maybe another pitcher, but nothing too crazy. And again, if you're the Yankees, you're not doing your due diligence if you don't make the call on Shohei Otani. We'll see what the price is. Um, what's the market out there? Again, it's a rental, but maybe he's going to give you the idea that he's willing to resign in New York with the Yankees. He wants to be a part of that brand. Who knows what's going on, but you have to at least kick the tires on Otani if you're the Yankees. Yeah, if I'm the Mets, you're kicking the tires on Otani as well because you know Steve Cohen wants that head start. The big thing, though, I want to see from them is get younger. They need to – Steve Cohen needs to open up the wallet a little bit more. He needs to eat these contracts. He needs to get guys like Mark Canna out of here. He needs to get – I know Justin Verlander and Scherzer have been probably their best guys as of late, 
But those two guys, you need to get them off the books. You need to start from scratch. You need to rebuild this rotation. You need to get some prospects back. You need to build up the system. You know, yeah, they came into the season with four guys in the top 100. Pretty sure three of them are graduating. And they're not really performing like big-time players just yet. Let them grow. That's what the Mets need to do. They need to sell off some of these big contracts. They need to let guys like David Peterson, Tyler McGill, just let them pitch and learn and work through things. There's going to be no stress the second half of the season because guess what? The expectations are gone. The season is done. You don't need to blow it completely up, but you need to get younger and you need to get some young pieces back in return. Weekly series highlight. I'm going San Fran at Cincinnati. I think that's a really good matchup to playoff teams right now. Ellie De La Cruz is still lighting it on fire. Just a really exciting matchup to see. And two teams that could be making pushes as buyers at the deadline. For me, I'm going to go in a different direction than usual. And usually we're looking for some of the best teams going at it. Well, this time I'm going to show some love to some teams that maybe haven't had the best seasons this year. But this is one of the best rivalries in baseball. It's not quite on Yankees, Red Sox level, but Cubs Cardinals, if you are in the middle of this country, you know about it. It is just as important. The people of Chicago and St. Louis hate each other. This should be a fun matchup, even though these two teams aren't playing the best baseball. My weekly highlight this week is going to be Arizona at Atlanta. You got like two of the best National League teams going head to head. You got the Braves are in first by a lot in the NL East and the National League as a whole, and you got the Diamondbacks who are two games back in the NL West, so should be a great game. Yeah, give me the potential World Series matchup of Rangers-Dodgers, two high-powered offenses going at it on weekend baseball. What's not to love? All right, that's going to do it here for us for the Outsider Sports Baseball Podcast. Check us out on the outsidersports.net. Twitter, Outsider Sports 3, YouTube, and TikTok. Just search up Outsider Sports and you're going to get us. Football starting back up soon. So keep an eye out for uh, the football pod coming back. Keep it locked here and keep tuning in to the Outsider Sports.